It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. All I can say is strap in. Get ready. Strap in for safety precautions because today is going to be a doozy. Welcome in to Sports 56 Mornings as we wrap up the work week on this Friday, February 16th, 2024. Greg Gaston, producer Zach Boyd, Eli off with Ole Miss Baseball. He returns on Tuesday. Probably a good thing he's not here after what we saw last night in Denton, Texas. Oh, boy. We got a lot to get to today. Tell you about the lineup in just a moment. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their floor model sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by our friends over at East Memphis Ace Hardware. It is currently 50 degrees it is going to get up to 63 today, but the rains are coming, starting to cloud up, thunderstorms in the forecast, and the chance of rains at 90%, so we're going to get some precipitation with higher wind gusts possible. Tonight, we're looking at a low of 30, so dipping under the freezing mark with rain showers this evening. Uh, the rain will taper off, so the white stuff not predicted, at least not with uh, the, the um, forecast I'm looking at. But again, you hit 30 degrees. If there's precipitation, we know what that means. Could be a a wintry mix. And then to get your Saturday going, partly cloudy with a high of only 40 degrees tomorrow. On the show today, as always, it's Friday. That means John Varlis will join us from the Daily Memphian at 725. He'll be in studio at 805. Joe Theismann, Super Bowl champion, former NFL MVP. We'll talk about his recent Uh, Accolade, which was the announcement the other day from the AutoZone Liberty Bowl folks that Joe Theisen will be the 2024 Distinguished Citizen Award winner for 2024. So again, he'll be honored this year. That'll be on June 2nd. We'll talk to Joe about that. But also, I had Joe already scheduled because I wanted to talk to him about the Super Bowl and the wrap-up of the NFL season. Matt Dillon at 825 from Texas with the Tiger Basketball Report. And then Brandon Lang to wrap things up as well. The handicapper extraordinaire. We'll talk Super Bowl with him at 9.05. We do have 10 in a row scheduled today. So the game show that has swept the nation give you a chance to win a great prize package. And, of course, we'll be talking throughout the show about the Tigers and about the Grizzlies. One a positive, one a negative. Also, some other sporting events that are coming up this weekend. It's All-Star Weekend in the NBA. So that begins tonight with the Rising Stars event, which features Memphis's own Vince Williams. So certainly that will be fun just to watch with that Memphis flair to it. Vince Williams, a late addition, an injury substitution. Good to see Vince Williams will be involved in that. Vince Williams Jr., if you're scoring at home. And then, of course, the All-Star Saturday, all the great events, including Steph Curry going up against Sabrina Ionesco. Ionesco who is a fabulous three-point shooter. We know Steph Curry's the greatest shooter to ever play the game. And I believe Sabrina is going to shoot from the NBA three, if I'm not mistaken, unless she has a change of heart. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Of course, you got your dunk contest. You got your regular three-point competition. You got your skills competition. You have the celebrity game and then the all-star game on Sunday. You got the Great American Race Sunday, the Daytona 500. And uh, before too long, you'll have the NFL Combine that will be starting here later on this month. And pitchers and catchers have reported to their respective teams in Florida and Arizona as baseball is just around the corner. So I love this time of the year, not so much weather-wise, but as far as all the sports coming together. Sure, the NFL is over with, but before too long, the Memphis Showboats will be suiting up for the inaugural UFL season. But boy, oh boy... Last night in Denton, Texas, the Memphis Tigers, who I said on the show yesterday, I don't bet Memphis sports, but if I was to bet, I was betting Memphis. They were one and a half point underdogs. And I said, well, I guess 
they're giving the nod to North Texas because they're playing at home. They think it's an even game. They give them a point and a half. But Vegas is good. For the most part, they're good. And that second slowest pace in the country, I just thought Memphis could quicken it and force them to turn the ball over. Instead, it was almost the opposite. Memphis trying to be fast, turning the ball over, especially early on in that game, turning the ball over time after time after time. They look terrible, and they have, for the most part this year, in transition basketball. There's just no semblance. They look like they, they don't know how to run a fast break. And then we get to the defense. And once again, the perimeter defense, that switching defense, that help defense, reared its ugly head. North Texas, a double-digit win over Memphis. The Tigers rallied back. They were down big early. They took a lead. You thought maybe once they took that lead, they would take control of the game. Uh Uh-uh. They lose 76-66, and for all intents and purposes, their at-large chances have gone down the drain. Tigers are now 18-7, 7-5 in the conference, sitting in seventh place with six games to go in the regular season. That's amazing. Six games still to go in the regular season, and their at-large char- uh, chances, I think, are done. Yeah, maybe if they go 6-0, and beat Florida Atlantic twice, maybe they're back firmly on the bubble, close to being it. Maybe. Do you think that's going to happen? SMU's going to be extremely tough on Sunday in Dallas. You still have to play the aforementioned Owls of FAU twice. You still have to play Charlotte and UAB. These are teams that are ahead of Memphis in the standings. This is a... This soundbite right here, I'm not going to play a soundbite. I'm going to read you what the quote is from John Bugs III, one of the North Texas guards saying this of Memphis. We knew Memphis was going to put two on the ball a lot. We expected it. We were prepared for it. Jason Edwards, who had a huge game, 30 points, hitting seven of nine from three, which set a individual record for him. They also set a team record for threes, going 16 of 28, 57.1%. Edwards said, Mean Green head coach Ross Hodge Have you guys ever heard of Ross Hodge before last night? He told the team not to get surprised when they get repeated, wide-open looks. But Edwards admitted it's hard not to get surprised when it happens. But guess what? You have a better chance to make a three-pointer when you are not guarded. And the confusion with that Memphis scatter, help, defense, whatever you want to call it, has been a problem all year long. They did better on the boards. That wasn't an issue. They scored in the paint. But they gave up open three after open three after open three. North Texas hit 16 triples. 16 triples. They were 16 of 28. Ball game. Memphis was 9 of 29 for 31%. The two stars for Memphis who have to have big games. They have to have big games to have a chance to win. And you need really output from a third or fourth guy, whether it's Tomlin, Walton, and actually Walton did okay last night going for 10 points, nothing to write home about, but double digits. DJ and JQ combined for five of 23. Now, David Jones did get 16 rebounds, scored 14 because he got to the free throw line eight times and made all free throws. He was eight for eight. He made all of his free throws. He was two of 13. Javon Quinterly was three of 10. So when you combine the two stars for Memphis that have to be good every game, they played poorly, and the defense for Memphis on the perimeter was awful, that's going to be a loss every single time. It was a record night for North Texas in making threes. Memphis has made a lot of teams out there that are mediocre three-point shooting teams look really, really good. And when you go back to the quote that I just brought up, We knew they were doubling, so we knew we were going to get open threes. I don't understand for the life of me, Zach Boyd, how Penny has not gone strictly man 
man defense. You guard your guy. If you can't guard your guy, we'll bring somebody in who can. Or, novel concept, mix in a little zone when teams are busting your you-know-what from the outside. Throw a little zone in there. They're stubborn. There's three reasons. It can only be one of these three reasons why it's not working defensively. And again, Penny hangs his hat on defense. Three reasons. One, the players aren't good enough. They're not talented enough. I don't think that's the truth. I think they're certainly talented enough. They're not intelligent enough. They can't comprehend. I I can't imagine that's it. How the game plan is implemented. How it's talked about. There's no question that Penny goes over this over and over and over and over and over again. He said last night after the contest, we've heard this before, they didn't stick to the game plan. So are they comprehending what is being taught to them? That's what I think it is. I don't think they're not intelligent enough. I certainly think they're absolutely talented enough. Are they comprehending what is being taught to them? And when you see problems time and time again, as a coaching staff, you have to adjust to it, don't you? Play man-to-man defense. If your guy busts your, if your guy is busted by the other guy, get somebody else in there to play. If not, play zone. It is mind-boggling. Zach, six games to go in the regular season. They're going to have to win the conference tournament to get to the NCAA tournament. It is hard to believe that this is where they are after the start they got off to and where they were just a month ago. Yeah, and I've I after what was the home win against Tulane, I was like, okay, cool. Like like you got the big win, you won big at home, like let's go ahead, let's, you know, let's stack these wins up. Let's let's get something going because at this point of the game it's, you know, it's either it's either you sink or swim. Like I mean, you could you could have gotten away with a couple bad losses at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's like I'm, it's not ideal, but you could have got away with a couple bad losses at the beginning of the year. But it's just the fact that they they went through that non conference slate and played so well against against uh, those I guess upper echelon teams that they scheduled that Penny scheduled on it. Big names, but unfortunately, it was right. name only because they didn't have substance. Those right, teams. they played so well against them. To now, to now, to the point where where you got teams that are not as talented as you are just beating you, just straight up beating you, and so, like, yeah, like, like the only way, don't the only way they're they're going to secure their their name into the tournament is they got to win the conference tournament. I said I I remember talking to someone that that if they if they continue to win out and maybe take a couple of losses, maybe to an SMU on the road. Or FAU either at home or on the road, if they make it to the conference, uh, the conference uh, championship game, I thought that was good enough for them to make it to the tournament with those two losses. But now, since since again, you you drop another another game to another inferior opponent, it's like you got to win the whole thing now. They are seventh in the AAC. They're tied with North Texas, but obviously North Texas gets the nod having beaten them last night. Seventh. Seventh in the American Conference at seven and five. And if you think there's not more losses on the horizon, you're mistaken. They got to play Florida Atlantic twice. I'm not saying they can't win, but come on, man. Come on. You got to stop beating your head into the wall and, and just doing the same thing over and over again. As far as cutting down on the rotation, again, he had 10 guys, he had played 10 guys in the first half and played 10 and played 10 early. Right, your starters in and five off the bench, and still no Jalen Young. You got to figure if he was in there, he'd play as well. Both Hardaways played. Jonathan Pierre played. Jordan Brown played. Of course, Malco came off the bench, and then he went big. So I don't know if it was frustration from Penny, throwing in guys, trying to find the right combination after the slow start they got out to. They battled back. They were down three at the half. David Jones hit that triple pumper, three-pointer, bank shot. At the buzzer to end the first half. They come out, again, sloppy to start the second half. Then North Texas makes the plays. North Texas, that slow-paced, turtle-paced team, actually were sped up at times and looked decent in doing so. They found the open man. 
Memphis's offense, no continuity to it. Too much one-on-one. Too much dribbling. David Jones, as I mentioned, 2 of 13. Javon Quinterly, 3 of 10. 22 of 59 as a team. It's bad stuff. Let's get some of your texts. My gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> Drew texts in, Penny is underachieved five of his six seasons. If this was a serious program, a change would be made. They don't. If they don't win an NCAA tournament game, and looks like they're not even going to make the NCAA tournament unless, of course, they get the AQ, that would be one win in six years. Keith, as bad as it hurts, it's time to be honest. This team is not very good at all. They got lucky early in the year, beat some pretty good teams, but now the truth is right in front of our eyes that you can't deny. And the point he makes about winning some of those games early against pretty good teams, those teams ended up not being pretty good. Tyler, if they don't make the turn, uh, he says, let's see, um, okay, let's be honest. The Tigers have to win the tournament to make the NCAA tournament. I agree. This team isn't winning out. I have a serious question. Does Penny deserve to be fired? What's your all thoughts if they don't make the tournament, of course? Penny's going, <clears throat> Penny is going nowhere. He's not going to be fired. Um, but next year, it puts a lot of pressure on, on Penny. It is a very tough situation for the front office when you're dealing with a guy as legendary as Penny is, who means so much to the program, who means so much to this community, has given not only his time, his sweat, his energy, he's given his money as well. I, I think in most programs, <clears throat> if they don't make the tournament, a move would be made. Not happening here. And I'm not saying it should, but you if you don't make the tournament this year, um, you're on notice, I think certainly for next year, because that would be year number seven. And the teams that he's assembling will continue to be assembled the way they are. I still don't have an issue with that necessarily because that's the way it is. And he can recruit and he can get those players, but it's finding the right combinations. You know, last year's team had two guys and then the rest knew their roles. And those two guys were Davis and DeAndre Williams. And look, let's face it. They blew it. They should have beaten Florida Atlantic. Who knows what it would have happened to them last year. Maybe they would have went on the run that Florida Atlantic went on. Maybe they wouldn't have. They blew it on a defensive breakdown. A defensive breakdown. Again, that's what Penny hangs his hat on. The defense. And the defense this year is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Raider Corey, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I'm convinced that during his recruiting pitch, Penny promises these guys playing time no matter what. And I think he's fearful some guys will leave or transfer transfer. In game adjustments, specifically on defense, there are problems. Also, just my opinion, to the madness of playing so many guys despite disrupting chemistry and continuity. Absolutely. There's no question about it. I think he does promise. He also promises, I don't know if he promises you're getting to the NBA, but we have the avenue to help get you there. Because we play more like a professional team, an NBA team, than we do a collegiate team. The Quick substitutions, mind-boggling. There's no question about it. But it was beyond who was on the court last night. All you had to do was watch a little bit of that game, and you saw with their switching on defense when they double-team that the communication is not apparent, and they're leaving guys wide open. But you got I don't know how they keep doing that. They keep, like I said, keep banging your head against the wall doing the same darn thing. Play strictly man-to-man. That's it. Mano-a-mano. If your guy gets burnt, he's out of the game. You bring somebody else in who can play. And if that's not working, again, I'll, I'll whisper it. You can play zone. It's not wussy to play zone. Play zone if teams are busting your high knees from the outside. Again, North Texas set a record last night. For threes. North Texas. Seventh place in the American Conference. Seven and five is their record in conference play. Sunday at SMU. Line's not out yet on that game. But I got to think, after the latest loss, where they were the underdog to North Texas, even though they beat SMU earlier in the year, remember that was one of Quinterly's game-winning three-pointers, they'll probably be... I don't know, four to five, six-point favorite, SMU? 
Okay. We'll get back to the Tigers. We'll talk with Varlis about the Tigers. We'll get back to your texts. We'll get back to, we haven't gotten to the calls yet, but we'll get to that as well. Let me squeeze one more in that just got in here under the wire. Um, Relying on the portal has been a disaster this year. That is not changing. That is not changing. That is going to continue to be a trend, I think, for a long time. Not just with Penny. There's there's a lot of schools that do that. Like I said, I, I don't have the problem with that necessarily. But you have to find the right players that are not egotistical, where they are more team-oriented, and that's tough. When you're getting top-tier talent, they want the ball. It goes back to Corey's text. They want the ball. They want the minutes. They want the shots. That's part of the problem. I still think it goes back to what I said. It can only be one of three. Are they not talented enough to guard, to defend? No, they're talented enough. Are they not smart enough to understand the concept? No, I think they're smart enough. I just think that maybe the concept is too complicated. That it's more NBA-oriented. That, remember, the whole Ted Williams syndrome. I don't understand why this guy can't hit 350. Because they're not Ted Williams. I don't understand why you can't play like me. Because you're not Penny Hardaway. Okay? So when you're teaching that, some guys comprehend it, some don't. And there's obviously bad chemistry. I'm not talking about guys not liking each other. I'm just talking... And that that has even been an issue. But I'm talking about on the floor right now, last night in the game, it's not knowing what the other guy's going to do. Oh, we double, we we left that guy open. Well, who's there to move over to guard him? Switching defense, help defense, who's there? That's a problem. Real quick, and we'll talk more about the Grizz later, but how about the Grizz? How about the Grizz? Knocking off the Bucks. I thought Giannis wasn't going to play. I saw the injury report. It came out after the show yesterday. It had him listed as, like, I said on the show, they're going to throw some illness up there. There was an illness slash injury. I didn't think Giannis was playing. I don't know if somebody from Adam Silver's office got on the phone and said, this is a national TV game. He's playing. If not, he's not playing in the All-Star game. Whatever the case was, he played. So you had a Milwaukee Bucks lineup that had everybody in there but Middleton. Here's the Bucks starting lineup. Giannis, Jay Crowder, Brooke Lopez, Malik Beasley, Damian Lillard, You had Bobby Portis and others coming off the bench, Patrick Beverly. Here was the Grizzlies starting lineup. Santi Aldama, Vince Williams, Trey Jemison, Zaire Williams, Jordan Goodwin. With guys like Jacob Gilliard, Yuta Watanabe, Lamar Stevens coming off the bench. Memphis wins. The Grizzlies win. Grizzlies playing harder than the Tigers. These Grizzlies who are on 10 days or two ways, just trying to make a name for themselves. And then you had Gigi Jackson again put up together or put together another great game. They have found a stud in Gigi Jackson. 19 years old, the youngest player in the league. He goes for 27 points. Zaire, up and down, up and down, up and down. He was up last night. He had 27 points. 18 points for Vince Williams to go along with 12 rebounds, seven assists. These young puppies are playing hard. Two straight wins to head to the break. They're not going anywhere. We understand that. It's only 20 wins. But by gosh, did they put on a show last night against Giannis and Lillard and beat the Bucs? Doc Rivers, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's losing a lot of games as the Bucs head coach. In any case, great night for the Grizzlies. Horrible night for the Tigers. We'll talk more about that with John Varlas. We'll get to more of your texts and your phone calls as the show progresses. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 728 is the time. We'll continue to read your texts on the Tigers' 10-point loss at North Texas last night. And again, for all intents and purposes, an at-large, a chance at an at-large is probably down the drain. And it will take winning the American Conference Tournament title 
to get an AQ and get in the NCAA tournament. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies, with that limited roster, somehow beat a Milwaukee Bucks team with Giannis, with Lillard last night. Good for the Grizzlies as they continue to play hard in what has been a disastrous year, basically because of the health of the team. To talk about that, to talk about all things prep, it's time for John Varlas. It's time for Greg and Eli's weekly visit with John Varlas of the Daily Memphian. Check out John's prep sports coverage and more at DailyMemphian.com. Now, here's John Varlas with Greg and Eli. He is the award-winning prep reporter for the Daily Memphian, but so much more. He's John Varlas. You can follow him on Twitter, at John Varlas. He joins us every Friday. We got a lot to get to, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good, Greg. How are you? How's Zach? How's everybody? He's tired. I know he's tired. He's more tired than I am. Zach's a hardworking man. I did not quite realize the extent of his uh, work until just now. But yeah, Zach's a busy guy. He gets after it. Those who don't know... Zach, what would you an engineer? Is that what you are for the opposing teams that come in to play the Grizzlies? Yeah, audio engineer uh, for the opposing teams on Radio Row. So. so sometimes it's a late night. Of course, last night was a fun night with the Bucks. Oh yeah, falling to the Grizzlies. But uh, this guy is a is a trooper. Back Obviously, back to backs are hard on everybody. <laughs> they're hard, they're hard on everybody. They're hard on me. I went to both those games. and I didn't stay the full games. Of course, Savoy is enjoying himself in paradise. <laughs> Yeah, that's just that's just hilarious. But good, good. I mean, great for him, man. I mean, what a what a gig, huh? Great gig. You I mean, watch baseball in Hawaii of all things. I mean, goodness gracious. If he doesn't send a Christmas present to David Kellum every year, something's wrong. Yeah, David Kellum would normally be doing that, right? But he's got to do basketball. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess it was his choice. Yeah. And, but he wanted to do basketball because you know Ole Miss is having a good year and they're right there yeah, and they on the bubble and. You know, speaking of Ole Miss, obviously they knocked off Memphis in a game. Memphis was leading by 11 down in Oxford, and that was one certainly that you would love to have back, but that wasn't the backbreaker. Last night was the backbreaker. So we're going to get your thoughts. I'm going to continue to read texts on the Tigers. But first, as we always do, John, there has to be a bone you have to pick, oh, right? Oh, so, so, so many this week. Can you week. limit the bones uh, well, that need yes. to be picked? I mean, I have evergreen bones that I can pull out for, for any occasion. But, uh, but the top topical one tonight, and, uh, and it's a bone with the Iowa Women's Basketball Administration or whoever – was responsible for, I guess, the game operations last night. So I I guess a lot of people probably know last night, uh, Caitlin Clark, uh, the great Iowa star, broke the all-time women's scoring record last night. She needed eight points to break the record. Apparently, it took about five seconds to do that. You know, she came out there like uh, like Reggie Miller against the Knicks and was just blazing away. And you know, she broke the record in in, in a very rapid fashion. And uh, I mean, it's a great accomplishment and and something that you know, especially for women's basketball, I think should be lauded and applauded and 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 really really recognized. But I guess where my bone comes in is they didn't even stop the game for this 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 young lady. You know, she she makes this really nice, like a thirty five foot three pointer to break the record. The crowd goes nuts. She runs over to the the scorer's table and gestures a little bit and and pumps her fist and then runs back and gets in a defensive <laughs> stand. And I'm like, you just broke the all time women's scoring record. If it was a man, if if it was somebody for Iowa that had broke Pistol Pete Maravich's all time scoring record, I think they would have stopped the game for it. You stop the game, you hand her the ball, you know, shake hands, take a couple of pictures, let everybody applaud her, let her teammates um, applaud her and hug her and the other team salute her. It takes two, three minutes, and you get on with the game. Am I, am, I, am I wrong about that? Well, this, do this they a, do this that? This is a co- huge event. We see that a lot in professional sports. Do they do in college? Well, but how often do we see somebody break the all-time record in college? I mean, it's not like it happens every day, so I don't know that we have a benchmark for, for like, planning purposes. No, but there are other records that are broken, right, NCAA but, records. Okay, but, well— I mean, games NCAA play, record. this, that. I mean, there's probably records. Records are meant to be broken, and over the years, they've been broken. Well, sure, I- but this is the record. This is, I mean, scoring points is the most important thing you can do in a basketball game, and she's done it more than anybody in the history of Well, let of me say this. Basketball. I have no... They, 
And, and, it's, and it's it would, Iowa. It was a home game. They and, should and have it, done it. And it wouldn't take more. Like I said, it wouldn't take more than a couple of minutes. I'm sure Michigan, the opposing team, wouldn't have had an issue with it. In fact, I know they wouldn't have had an issue with it because it was revealed in the post game that they, you know, they gave her a present. So Michigan certainly appreciates Caitlin Clark's greatness. The fans were there for the moment. I mean, just let you know, give the young lady her two or three minutes and uh, and get on with it. Yeah, it, it I, doesn't have to be a. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be a thirty minute thing like it was with LeBron James. Now, that was a little much, I think. You know, you, you stop the game and you haul out uh, uh, tables and, and 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 red carpets right, and right. celebrities and videos. I, you know, that's a little much. I, you know, there's a there's a, a good middle ground where I think they could have could have hit very easily last night in honor of Caitlin Clark. Well, I'm with you. Okay, so I, I'm just playing devil's advocate that I just I don't remember. Forty nine points, by the way, Greg Gaston, and thirteen assists for this girl. Oh, she's incredible. She, yeah. as you said, she scores the first eight. She needed eight. She scores the first eight. She hits the one that broke the record. From the logo, she's incredible. Is she now, is she the most popular college basketball player? Period. Men or women most recognized right now? Yeah, she may be. Yeah, oh, I, she's got to be. So. I think so. I'm, 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 I mean, I got to think. Bronny James might be more recognizable than her, but um, yeah. Well, and he's more recognizable for who his dad is than anything. He's no question about doing. it. But you're, you, the question was, yeah. who's more recognizable? Yeah. Um, this was Nancy Armour wrote this yesterday. She said. Um, let's see. Uh, this is about Caitlin Clark. When you factor in the outsized impact she's having off the court, there's really been only one other player like her, Michael Jordan. Uh, and I texted, and I, 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 I mean, I, I retweeted, and I made a comment, and I said, I'm going to have to digest that. Uh, because I didn't have the time. I was going to bed. I got I got to think about this. When she says, like, what what impact is Caitlin Clark making off the court? Is it like more little girls want to play basketball? I know she she means a lot as far as the ticket sales. They wanted to see her break the record, and they were getting great crowds, so she did that. Michael Jordan, his impact as a national brand started when? Like when he was done school? When he was going to the pros, right? They had the big... Fight, not fight, but the battle to get him and Nike won. Yeah. It's a movie they just made uh, in the last year or two. It was a great movie. So his impact didn't come while he was necessarily at North Carolina. Obviously, he made some great shots and, and, and won some huge games and made a name for himself. But off the court, he made a name for himself when he became a professional basketball player. Kaylin Clark's probably getting good NIL money, but is she really affecting... Everybody off the court. I, I would say no. I don't want to take anything away from this young lady. She's been absolutely incredible. But I got to think, on the court during their time in college, I mean, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird meant an awful lot to college basketball. And then, obviously, to the NBA once they went there. There's got to be others. I, I can't. No, that's Caitlin that, Clark, Michael Jordan, same sentence. Uh, that, sound, that, sound, that sounds really in the moment uh, from, that, from that writer. It, it really does, Greg. I mean, you, you know... Caitlin Clark, you know, Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, you know, these women basketball players now that are so successful and so popular, they're the byproducts of the the, the, the pioneers that came before them. They're, you know, the the Cheryl Swoops and the the Cheryl Millers of the world right. and even the Nancy Lieberman, you know, these are these ladies walked I mean, these ladies walked so that Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and these other uh, young ladies now can run. I mean, so I don't know. You're right. I mean, I don't know that uh, Caitlin Clark is bringing any more girls into basketball. I mean, high school basketball, it, it, I mean, girl, it's already pretty popular is what I'm trying to say. I would There's argue- already lots of y- girls that are playing basketball, and I don't know that they're getting into it necessarily because of Caitlin Clark. I think they're already there is what I'm trying to say. I would argue, and I know she's not a player, but I would argue that Dawn Staley has more impact as far as women's basketball than Caitlin Clark, but I don't want to take anything yeah. away from Caitlin Clark. I don't want to. No, I don't yeah, want to. Yeah. I don't want to. Um, Just dwell stop, too much. Stop the game and take a few pictures. I, that's all I'm saying. I'm with you. That's that's a, that's a good. It's a once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime moment. Yeah, I just I wonder again. Iowa was the home team, so I guess they could have had that already figured out before the game even tipped. That when she breaks the record, we're stopping the game. The officials knew it. The opposing team knew it, which was uh, what Michigan. I mean, that should have happened, but it, it didn't. All right. What we know did happen last night was the Tigers fell flat on their face to North Texas. I want to read a few more texts. They keep coming in. 360-8255. That's 901-360-8255. Uh, Ken texts in. Penny is not a leader. His team does not respect him. 
He is a friend to them, not a coach. This is embarrassing. Stop playing your sons. Every time they get in the game, we lose the lead. Uh, this comes from the 901. I'm not a basketball guru, but isn't Perimeter D the easiest or should be the easiest to teach and install? You would think so. Uh, another texter. Penny needs to go, and we should make a strong offer to the next guy. 360-8255. I read a bunch of them in the first segment. John Barless, I know you were bullish on the Tigers in the tournament not too long ago, and they have uh, they, they they came off they got off the Schneid. They ended the four game losing streak. They put together a three game winning streak, and now they lose at North Texas. Six games to go in the regular season, including. Sunday at SMU, two games against Florida Atlantic, still have to play Charlotte. This team is in big time trouble. Yeah, Greg, it's time to it's time to, to it's time to it's time to think about stuff. It it, it really is. You know, when uh after after we after um the Tigers lost to Rice, you know, there was um there was a, a segment of the fan base that was, you know, like the textures, like the text you just read and then you have another segment of the fan base that's like, "No, you know, Penny needs our support. He the you know, he he's our coach, he's our guy. He needs our support." Well, you know, he he you know, Penny Hardaway's a, a, a grown man who's competed at basketball in the highest levels he's coached basketballs at very high levels he's super accomplished you know we don't need to, to to treat this guy like he's a baby deer just just learning how to walk it's time to ask you know the the the, the serious questions and look at it not necessarily do they need to make a coaching change because i agree with you greg i don't think that's imminent and i don't think that's ha- gonna happen i don't know that that necessarily needs to happen right now but the questions we do need to start asking and looking at i think is why is this not working? Why do the same problems uh, from year one still manifesting themselves at year seven? Why do you know? Why do why does it appear things are figured out? And and based on the comments from the coaches and players, things apparently are figured out two weeks ago, and then two weeks later, you're you're gone back to the same uh, problems. The same problems continue to manifest themselves over and over again. You know, I mean, last night it was coaching, man. You know. Ross Hodge, the uh, the North Texas State coach, out coached Memphis last night. He did. They, I mean, you the, you heard, you read the comments from their their player, John Bugs. They knew exactly what he told them, exactly what was going to happen. He told them exactly what he was going to see for Memphis. His guys were ready. His guys were able to execute based on on uh, on on the coach on their coach and the game plan they had in place for Memphis, and they won the game as a result with less talent and. Uh, you know, and, they were missing two starters. Uh, Ross Hodge, uh, I've never heard of the guy. He's their coach. I mean, he did an excellent job. And to your point, here are some comments from Penny after the game. I'll take all of this because I didn't have my guys ready and prepared to play. Definitely a coaching error this game. I'll just have to do better next game. This was game number 25, by the way, this season. Now, another, uh, another quote from him. This goes back to what I said in the first segment. You were listening. Um... It was me, bro. I have to do a better job of explaining. I didn't do a good enough job of explaining about who they were and what was going to happen. That's why I said it's got to be one of three things as you prep for a game. I'm talking about defense now. Now, offensively, last night, that was an anomaly to see David Jones struggle the way he did. You're not going to win games when David Jones and Javon Quinterly combine for 5 of 23. That's all there is to it. But the point on defense I want to make is that when you are – implementing your defensive systems. It's, it can only be one of three things when it fails. You don't have enough talent, which we know that's not true. They're not intelligent enough to comprehend. I don't think that's true, but you could complicate it where it is tough for them to understand, and that's on the coaches. And that goes to that quote I just read. We have to do a better job of explaining. So is, But back to the texter who said perimeter defense should be the easiest. I don't get why they just don't play man don't trap. Stay with your man. If you get beat, bring in somebody else. If not, mix in a little zone when they're busting it. And they were busting it last night. North Texas set a record for three-pointers made, and they aren't the first opponent against Memphis that's done that this year. Well, I mean, you, you know, everything you say, Greg, is true. And, and, then, and then I think... You know, too, it's the inconsistency with uh, it's the inconsistency from the coach, which I think has a lot of the texters and probably a lot of Tiger Nation so frustrated today. You know, on the one hand, he says, "Yeah, it's on me. I didn't coach the guys uh, well enough." 
you know, that's my fault. But then, you know, in the very next breath, there's also a quote from last night saying the guys didn't execute the game plan. So, right. I mean, like, right. so, like, what is it? It's like, you know, one week it's, you know, we found our seven, eight guys that we're going to roll with. And, and then, you know, against North Texas, you're still seeing these, uh, these odd lineup combinations, which, um, you know, lead to uh, unproductive spells on the court. So, you know, if, if, if I'm a fan, yeah, I, I understand the frustration. It, it, it's maddening to with, with these inconsistencies. And, and, that, and that's, you know, that's the larger point, Greg, I was trying to make. You know, why are these things still happening? Why, why aren't these things changing after six years with, with as you pointed out, one NC tur- uh, one NCAA tournament victory. You know, you can you can excuse you know you can say well it was COVID. You know, James Wiseman got you know it's always it's always something. But you know, at the end of the day, the buck stops with the with the head coach at Memphis, just like it does at every other program, and and just like it has with every other coach at the University of Memphis. It stopped with Larry Finch. It stopped with Dana Kirk. It stopped with Tick Price, Johnny Jones, Josh Pasner, um, Tubby Smith. The buck stops with the head coach, and 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 ultimately, that's you know that's 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 the conversation I think that you know is going to probably need to be had at some point. I don't think that I don't think that day is today, but you know that's that's something that you know is 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 looming if things don't get better and if things don't start getting better uh, like quick, fast, and in a hurry. What's more maddening this year than in in years past, and. Again, last year, I thought they did a really good job. I thought he did a good coaching job. He didn't have the talent he had this year. He had two studs, and everybody else knew their role. And they blew it on a last possession, on a defensive failure, or who knows what would have happened in the tournament. They would have beaten Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic goes to the Final Four. doesn't mean Memphis would have gone to the Final Four. This year, (coughs) excuse me, they start out like gangbusters. They play what was a very good non-conference schedule, We didn't know, nobody knew that those teams would be bad. Let's face it, Michigan's bad, Arkansas's bad. They're bad. But Memphis, for the most part, other than that first half, that ugly first half against Villanova, they're winning games. They look good. The chemistry's there. The chemistry's there at the beginning of the year, which has been a problem, right, under Penny, getting off to quick starts. They get off to the quick start, and everybody's thinking, wow, maybe there'll be a one seed or a two seed or a three seed. And then they get to the conference, and first we start to hear about the name on the front of the jersey versus the name on the back of the jersey. In other words, you can't take any of these teams for granted. Well, I don't know if every loss now you can chalk up to being, well, we took them for granted. No, you got beat. North Texas beat you by 10 points last night. So that's a problem. All right, if you take a couple teams early in your conference schedule for granted and maybe lose a game, or okay, that's not the end of the world. Then you fix it. You blew a 20-point lead to South Florida. The, the Rice loss was absolutely crippling. Then you seem to have found it and got it back in that second, well, at least last eight minutes against Wichita State. You go to Temple, have a huge lead, give up the lead. You don't give up the lead, but they get, get it down to seven, but you win. Never in jeopardy was the game on Sunday against Tulane. They found it, right? Looks like they found it. And then they turn around and they go to North Texas. And the reason why I thought Memphis would win, they were without two starters, They play a slow pace. I thought Memphis would be able to dictate pace. But then when you watch the Tigers, especially in that first half, running up and down the court, out of control, bad passes, dribbling off legs, they're giving North Texas opportunities. And what does North Texas do? They go down there. They get doubled up. They find the open guy because they're not holding on the ball and dribbling and dribbling and dribbling, which Memphis does a lot. They find the open guy. He has an open three. And he knocks it down, and they knock down sixteen of them. Coaching, I mean, I mean, it, last night, last night, it was so much. It was an organizational win for North Texas last night. Their their players played better, their coaches coached better, and and, and that's the result you get, Greg. You know, the 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 young man said it. They they knew everything that Memphis was going to do, and and uh, you know, if if they knew that. You know, the, the question comes back to, well, why doesn't Memphis adjust in that situation? You know, could they even adjust? I mean, it's 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 a bad loss, but, I mean, you know, I mean, when you lose to Rice, I mean, you know, anything's possible with this team. You know, this team has shown the potential that they could – you know, maybe beat anybody in the country, but you know, if things aren't if things aren't working, which a lot of nights they haven't worked, I mean, they've they've got the potential to lose to a lot of teams as well, and, and I think that's that's just where we are. 
there hasn't been too many teams that I've seen this year more Jekyll and Hyde than the Tigers. Yeah. We'll get more from John Varlis uh, in our final moments of hour number one. I want to tell you folks about our great sponsor, All-Star Chevrolet. If you're ready for a new Silverado, All-Star Chevy in Olive Branch has financing down to 2.9 for 72 months or up to 5,000 cash. Plus, you make no payments for 90 days and your good credit deserves it. It's still love month, right? It's February, Valentine's Day, just a few days ago. And we're loving all these new Silverados, the Equinox, the Trailblazers, the Tahos. You're going to love seeing this all-star lot filled up, the showroom filled up, loaded again with all these cars. You want pre-owned? Everything you want is here. Ram trucks, Jeeps, Nissan Rogue, the Traverse with the third row seating so you can do more together as a family. Uh, drive the uh, highways and byways of this country in luxury. Military, teachers, college students, healthcare, you get an extra $500 bonus at All-Star Chevrolet. And at All-Star Chevrolet, they have everything you're looking for. And if it's not there, just ask Kevin or Jeff. They'll find it for you. Remember, it's not South Haven, not Mount Moriah, not Bartlett or Collierville. It's got to be Olive Branch. Come out and check out the folks and great vehicles at All-Star Chevy. They will help you. They will treat you like family. Go to allstarautogroup.com to find out more about them as well. It's All-Star Chevrolet. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Joe Theismann coming up in 8.05. We'll talk more Tigers at 8.25 with Matt Dillon, the Tiger basketball report. Matt will be joining us from Texas. David texts in, and keep those texts coming, 901-360-8255. The off-the-court stuff is a sideshow under Penny. Jordan Brown, Mikey Williams, press conferences, the list goes on. On-court product is woeful. Let's be honest, he deserves to be fired, but he's a Memphis legend. He's Penny Hardaway, which makes it tough. Do we think? Do you think that, and again, nothing, nothing's happening after this year, it's not, and hopefully they can win the tournament. Right now, it doesn't look like they can. I'm talking about the conference tournament and get into the NCAA tournament. And then we could we could back off a little bit. But do you think that they are possibly going down that Larry Finch road the way it ended? I'm not saying the same way it ended, but things started to fade a little bit. Larry stopped getting the big-time recruits. Penny, that's not an issue. Not yet. I mean, that, I mean that's the thing, Greg. Not yet. I mean, and, and things are so much different now with the transfer portal. Uh, you know, cause it, so in a way that, you know, kind of, kind of makes it a little bit easier to recruit because you're, there's a whole big wider pool of good players to choose from than, than it used to be in Larry Finch's day. But, you know, I mean, if, if that starts drying up, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, what's next year's team going to look like? I mean, you know, you got to think about that too. I mean, th- here's the thing, Greg, when you, when you bring in a Penny Hardaway to run your program, there's only one way that it can end to everybody's satisfaction, and that's with winning a national championship. That's the storybook ending. Anything short of that is going to be viewed as, what, disappointing, not successful. And, and, and it could still be really, really good, but you just when you, when, you, when you bring in a Penny Hardaway, you're just setting the bar so high, and, and it's actually only, you know, there's actually only one thing that you can get to that's going to satisfy anyone, everyone in that situation. There's only one way you can have the happy ending with that. Everything else for that is going to be looked at as a disappointment, and it's just so hard to win a national championship. So, I, yeah, you you make a really good point. I mean, what what will this look like? It, will it end in will it end in you know recriminations and hurt feelings and disappointment? Because you got to look at this too, Greg. You know, not only is Penny Hardaway the basketball coach, you know, he's an ambassador for the university. You know, he's he's the you know kind of one of the public face. You know, probably the public face of the university. University for a, a, a large segment of plus uh, he's given his money he's taken less he's given his own money the, so the, there the, you go I don't no. I don't I don't want to you know I don't want to make it sound like you know Penny Hardaway's got uh, 
got Memphis, you know, uh, over a barrel. You know, you know, he's holding him hostage with no, the job. It's not no, anything like no. that. But it's it just it just makes it a very it very tough. difficult situation where you know to where it was you know Joe Smith from Fresno coaching the team. You say, look, Joe, we're not getting it done, buddy. We're going to move on. That's easy. Well, you this, just this makes it a lot a lot harder. You just heard yesterday um, the AD at Michigan, Manuel, who basically gave the old. Um, uh, Backing of of um, what's his name, Juan Howard. Howard yeah. They're they're awful. I mean, absolutely god awful. Yeah. And Howard. So I'm sure it's a similar situation. It was for a while before Georgetown finally had to say that's it with Pat Ewing. Memphis has not been in that situation that Georgetown was for all those years under Pat Ewing because they've won a bunch of games. Yeah. Michigan was pretty good to start with Howard. They faded. It was a bad year. So I understand. I, I wouldn't fire a Juwan Howard, not after one bad year. But if it starts to be a trend, then you have to really seriously consider a move, well, it, which is tough when it's a, a native son, when it's a guy who starred at that school. And then you and then you look at the standards that were applied to uh, to Tubby Smith. You know, at some point, does the uh, does the money flow start drying up a little bit does the attendance start drying up with you know that's that's where well it's not like the attendance has been great but no, it's a well, lot better than when it was with tubby and tubby uh, to, to, and, and look he's a hall no, of fame no, coach, saying, but he I'm, wouldn't get off his butt to go out there no, in the that, community that, that, yeah that's not that's not the point i'm trying to make what the, the the point i'm trying to make is if these things start happening the things that hastened his departure if they start to happen now with uh with coach hardaway you know then what do you do if you start seeing these same you know if the crack really yes. start to form yes. and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And this also, I know we're out of time, this compounds the problem. Cincinnati, Houston most importantly, but Cincinnati's been good this year. UCF's even improved uh, improved basketball team. Look at them in the Big 12. Big 12 is good, yeah. top to bottom. Those teams are gone. It looked like it was going to be a breeze. It was going to be Memphis and Florida Atlantic, Florida Atlantic and Memphis, the two they're battling. You come up short to Florida Atlantic, okay, you understand. They're sitting in seventh place right now. So, that's where it is. We'll continue to talk about it as the show progresses. John, we'll get back into the prep talk next Friday. I know things are starting to heat up with uh, the playoffs, the postseason, and basketball, spring sports right around the corner. Great stuff as always from you. Thank you. I guess the I guess what we learned from this conversation, Greg, is nothing is ever easy in the 901, is it? It's, it's not. A, it's, it's, a not. Hard, it's a hard life out here. <laughs> yeah, last night I would have lost my house because I would have bet Memphis Tigers and would never have bet the Memphis Grizzlies well, who were 14 and a half point dogs and beat Milwaukee. Well, there, there's only one GG as far as I'm concerned, and that's you, Greg Gaston. <laughs> Thank you, John. He's John Barless, the award-winning prep reporter from the Daily Memphian, but so much more. You can follow him on Twitter at John Varless. When we come back, we open up Hour 2 with Joe Theismann, then get back into Tigers talk. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 